Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is the What Do You Do podcast. I am Joe Malone, and our guest today is Jesse Allen. Jesse, what do you do? I do well, a lot of things, but the main thing, Joe, is a uh, country music artist. So Country music artist? Yeah. How long have you been playing music for? Oh, boy. Um, since I was a little kid. Let's, I mean, I was singing in the, you know, the playpen at one, so, but professionally, semi-professionally now... Uh, about the last eight years and been out on my own outside of other bands about four. And what's that like going from um, being in a band to being the band? Definitely a big transition. Uh, you know, being in a band, basically you get paid by whoever's in charge of the band and done deal. You're either salaried or you get paid per show and that's that, you know, and you track your stuff as far as receipts and everything and it, you're basically an employee going to employing yourself it's a totally different thing you're worried about so many different aspects of the you know behind the scenes not only are you worried about music and booking shows and everything else but you're worried about merchandise and travel expenses and coordinating this and that and paying your band members and there's a lot of things that go into it behind the scenes especially for an independent artist who doesn't have a team of 30 people it uh, it can get a little stressful at times, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, I've I've heard you make the statement that you don't have a band; you have a business. Like I'm running a business. I've heard you yeah. state that. And the first time I heard you say that, it made me pause for a second because yeah, I've been playing music for yep. the 30 years or whatever it is too. I mean, I've been playing music longer than you've been alive. Yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I've always, you know, it was always one of those things where. Oh, I got a chance to play a show somewhere. Let's go play a show. You mm-hmm. know, or there's an open mic. Let's go do this. Yeah. But the fact that you're like, no, I'm running a business here. When when did you did you always have that mindset, or did you make that switch at some point in time where it was about more than just the music? I, I kind of made that switch. Um, for me, you know, when I first went out of my own name, I didn't really have that business sense to it. Kind of just like, all right, well, I'm just you know doing my thing, playing music and. I'd say about two years ago is when that kind of switched. Just as I, I got to know more people networking, I got a lot of friends in the Nashville music community and everything else, and kind of learned how they do things. And really, when it comes down to it, I mean, yes, you have to have you know the music, you have to have that product to sell. But it, you look at it, it's a product you're selling. You're selling your services, your music ability to venues to promoters to everything else to the general public you're putting a product out there for them to buy and you know i kind of took on that sense of this kind of has to be run like a business you know it's one of those things where if you don't run it like a business nobody's going to take you seriously per se that's kind of how i how i really look at it And it's not like it's a rigid business you know here here and here like it, the music business is its own entity in general. It's not like your general, you know, contractor or plumber or 
whatever. It, it's it's kind of its own entity. There are similar things about it compared to a, a you know regular business we hear about and see every day. And then there's some things that are completely different about it. And I just kind of switched to that mindset. It's it's one of those things where in order to grow it and get bigger and do, you know, play bigger festivals and things like that, you, you almost have to. Do you have a tax person for your business? I do. Do they understand the music business business? Because I, yeah. I found doing voiceover work that mm-hmm. like some of the things that are expenses, you know, it's not tires, it's not yeah. gas, it's not... Um, you know, a new sign or anything like mm-hmm. that. You're buying microphones, you're buying yep. cables, yep. you're buying uh, tea to keep your voice working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's all business yep. expenses. Exactly. And I do have a, a great person here locally in North Iowa who, who's helped me, done my taxes for many, many years. And she, uh, I, you know, I had to kind of get her in touch with a few people to learn a few things. And there's still some things that we're kind of learning together about it. But for the most part, it's like you said, you know, you're buying music equipment, or in my case, I'm selling albums or selling merchandise. We're going to start getting into that. So it's, you know, we're learning how, okay, or traveling across state lines to perform for different events. So it's... And different taxes. Different, different taxes, states. different states. Wow. So we're, you know, we're slowly, we're learning more and more of these things. And that's kind of where, you know, me knowing people in the Nashville community as well, or just the music community in general has helped out because I can go like, hey how do you do this? Because I have no idea. My tax person's trying to find out. She doesn't have any idea. I kind of need to know, like, can you, can you give me some advice or get me in touch with somebody who does know? Um, so that's really, it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing and it's still, you know, obviously things I'm learning, but it, having a good tax person is, is beneficial. And like I said, I have a good one here at home. So have you ever made a business decision to turn down a show? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. Like what, um, what what makes you say no? Is it the but besides just the cost and the distance? Somebody wants to pay you a hundred bucks to go a thousand miles away. You're probably not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if you're starving for stage time, you're probably yeah. not going to do that. And see, before I did do that before. Okay. I, I I was kind of at the point where it's like, all right, stage time, whatever. Let's go. I'll drive and take the loss. I look at it now is is it going to be not only beneficial for me but beneficial for the venue as well. I try to look at it both ways. You know, I've had some reach out to me where, you know, they want me to come in, but they can't quite meet the price I put out there. And I'm like, all right, can I work with them a little bit to make this work to get in the door? Or is it just, is it worth it? And my, you know, my biggest mindset change in that has been, what is a show that's going to benefit me and get me in front of more people versus taking on the show that's, not necessarily going to get me, you know, in front of a lot of people. Now, granted, I try to play as many shows as I can, but I have turned some down where it's just been like the the return on this for me and for the venues just not going to work. Well, because if if you show up and the you only get forty people in the crowd, yeah, you know, no fault of your own, mm-hmm. then the venue is going to be like, oh, this Jesse Allen guy, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then that word gets around exactly, and you don't want that. No, no, it's kind of just one of those things where I, I, you know, I take on all comers. Uh, anybody reaches out, I, I mean, you know, whether it's your regular venue or whether we're opening for a national act or festival or fair or weddings. I've done plenty of weddings. I got a couple of those coming up. Uh, birthday parties. You know, I've always said, have guitar, will travel. But I've also gotten to the point now where it's like, okay, is this really beneficial or, you know, it's, 
I, I hate to put it that way. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, turning stuff down all the time because I'm really not. I think I've maybe turned down two shows in the last four years, you know, for a reason like that. But it's just one of those where it's like, okay, let's be honest, looking at it from a business standpoint, this really isn't going to benefit me. And I really don't think it's going to benefit you because I, I know the risk that a lot of venues take bringing in an act that's not well known, you know, a lot of times a band will come in and say, we need this much up front. And the venue will go, we're not giving you that up front because nobody around here knows you. Like they're yeah. taking on that risk too. So unless there could be a deal worked out that's mutually beneficial for both, then that's when I've turned down some shows. When, when it comes to uh, booking a gig and getting mm-hmm. paid, um, do you charge differently? And, and you can not answer this too yeah. if you want, but I'm just curious. Let's say it's a hole-in-the-wall bar that holds 100 people and it's a venue that holds 500 people. Do mm-hmm. you charge the 500-person venue more because more people can come in and see your show? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, th- for the most part, I have my flat rates right now. There's a couple different just depending on the show, whether it's just an acoustic thing or if it's a you know duo or the whole band. Four hours or two. Four or- hours, two, inside, outside. Not necessarily the hours. Oh. It's more. It's more for me dependent on – Inside, outside, acoustic, band, you know, and then it comes down to, all right, can I, you know, can I work a deal? Usually my price point is at a point to where I have some room to play to where I can come down a little bit if need be to work with a venue. I'd rather, I'd rather build a good relationship with a venue and get in the door and possibly continue to have more shows with them and continue to build a fan base in a, in a market versus, saying I need X amount of dollars and this is all I'm going to take. If you won't take it, I'm not going to come in and do it. So where have people seen Jesse Allen play? Where have you been? States, oh. big venues. I mean, you don't need to go down the yeah. laundry list, yeah. but I mean, people listening to this outside of North Iowa, yeah. Southern Minnesota. I mean, all, all around Iowa, obviously. Um, Nebraska, Illinois, Missouri, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You know, done uh, Treetown. Going to be twice now coming up this Memorial Day weekend. We'll be on the main stage headlining there. Country Fest in Wisconsin, um, different scattered festivals, uh, you know, around around the Midwest. Basically, Midwest um, only has been kind of where I've been at the last two three years. What's the biggest crowd? Is Street Town going to be the biggest one you've played for? Is this the the biggest? So it will, far it will probably be the biggest. A couple of years ago at Tree Town, we played the uh, after stage after Alan Jackson. He was there, and we didn't have a hard number, but the estimate was ten thousand. That was that was the estimate, and How do you I, not I could, freak out. Honestly, I just I went up there and did my thing. Um, I, I would re- freak out a little bit. I, I mean, we, you get into it, but you, you, you freak out for a second, you, don't you? Yeah, you know, you get the adrenaline going. And honestly, when we started, it was one of those things where we we start immediately after Alan Jackson got done. So like everybody was still at Alan Jackson. So like when we started, there was maybe. 50 people standing out there who knew we were ready to go and everything. And then they heard the music and wandered over. And next thing you know, we're three songs in and all I see is people all the way back to the fence. Like I, I I can't see, you know, like any green grass really. Um, Now that number may be a little high. I don't know. That was the estimate we were told. You know, we were told that we had the biggest crowd by far on that stage throughout the entire festival that night. Well, you sounded good as I was walking back yeah. to my car. I had kids, man. I had to get the <laughs> no. I don't blame you. So. I don't blame you. Um, but no, that was that was fun. Uh, you know, Country Fest uh, last year we played. They got different. The, there's a setup different where they have basically four stages on the corners, and then they have their main stage. 
So when the main stage is switching over acts, they'll have bands in these four other stages playing. And our last set there, that tent was full. And I'd say it was probably a thousand to 2000 there for that. And like we had people coming in out down the hill from other stages because they saw all these people down there. And they told us that was the most people that has been in that tent in years for, you know, at that point of the night, right before the headliner. Cause you, that's a grueling one where you play your first set at noon and you play six sets total for like an hour. And your last one is at 10 o'clock at night. Like it's, it's a grueling, just that's tough to keep up all day. Yeah. yeah. I was absolutely drained by the time we got done with that. So those gotta be fun experiences. Yes. Being in front of that many, do you, do you have a worst experience that you don't need to name names or towns or anything like Ooh. that, but a worst experience with Jesse Allen, yeah. either as solo or as the band. Um, there's been a few, uh, you know, there's been a couple times. Obviously, some of the worst experiences are when you walk into a venue and there's nobody there. You know, you're playing to one or two people, and that's that can get a little stressful, and that can be kind of like it can wear on your psyche a I little suck. bit. Yeah, like <laughs> it is what you probably know, like, goes like I don't yeah. mean it's like I suck. Yeah. Nobody's into this. Couldn't get anybody in here for this. Like, what's going on? You know, that's that's some of those things. Um, you know, obviously having vehicles break down. I've had some experiences like that where it's happened. Um I've had one or two experiences before bigger shows where I've gotten I have gotten nervous for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was and went out there and you know, kind of didn't put on the show that I knew I could do. And honestly, those are some of the worst experiences when you go out there and you do something and you go, you get done, walk off stage and go, I really just messed that up. I did not do good. And then everybody's like, Oh, you sounded great. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you have no idea. Yeah. No, but, but then, you. The, but you could kind of tell that like some of them were kind of being nice and saying that too. And so that's, that's a tough one. And another one too, that just popped in my head. Uh, I had one time where, and this was another reason that I kind of shifted to the business model. I had um, band members filling in for a show and everybody got really drunk and I didn't rein that in, rein that in very well. And I had, you know, one guy who was basically all over the place, wasn't playing his notes right. I had another guy walk off the stage in the middle of a set to go to the bathroom I mean, it, you know, that, that, that one is probably the other worst experience. And it, you know, it just, it is what it is. I learned from it. I moved on. And that was about one of the about right around the time where I was like, all right, it's time to start treating this as a business. This isn't just a fun thing. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. But you got to look at it with a business head and go, all right, I'm never going to get anywhere unless I can get out of this stuff and actually focus on this being a business. And ever since then, it's been I haven't had any problems, so I know when I've DJed events, mm -hmm. it's you know people are always like, "Oh, do you want a beer? You know, have a beer. Let me get you a drink." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Like you know, one beer is not going to hurt anything. Yep. But I don't want to be seen as like my equipment malfunctions, and there's Joe with a beer. Mm -hmm. You know that sort of thing. And it's the same sort of situation that you're talking about mm -hmm. there, responsibility. And that's another you know, thing too with with the drinking and stuff. Like I don't. Well, it goes hand in yeah, hand. It goes hand in hand. Music. I don't mind. I and it's, I tell all of the guys that play with me I, or gals. I, I'm like, I don't mind if you have one or two. If you get sloppy, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you off the stage and probably fire you. No. Um, but like you know, gone to the uh, the red solo cup method. You see a lot of the bigger acts and everything, and you wonder, all right. 
you know, oh, they got a red solo cup. What's in there? Water. Could, could be water. Yeah. Could be a drink. Could be a beer. Don't know, but it looks cleaner on stage. Instead of having beer cans stacked up here and there, it's like, got a red solo cup, you know, so that's that's a, one of the other little subtle shifts that, you know, I made recently. It's like, all right, I don't care if you have one or two, keep it in a cup. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Now, um, when it comes to going to a new venue that yep. you've never played before, is it on you to pack that place? Is it on the venue to pack that place? Is it a mutual thing to I th- pack that place? It's mutual in my in my eyes. And I've talked with a lot of venue owners who they they agree. There are some that don't agree. There are some that think it's solely on the musician's responsibility to get people in there to see them. But if you've never been to a town before... Mm-hmm. That's kind of what where it do? goes hand in hand. And that's one of the things I try to be really good about is that I'm like, send to the venue when I book a show. I'm like, all right, here is everything you need to promote. Here's photos, bio, links to all my social media, links to music that you can listen to and put out there for people to put on your social media. Or if you want to send it to a you know company to have flyers made or whatever the case is, like here's everything you need. And I'll say, you know, hey, when it comes close to the show, I'll do my best. We'll pump some money into advertising on social media in the back end and whatnot. If you want to do social media or want to do advertising outside of that around the area, like radio, TV, whatever, that's on you. Um, but, you know, we'll do what we can on the back end. And, of course, you know, send out things like e-blasts and whatnot to try and get fans in that general area to come to the show. Um, but it's very much a mutual thing. And I think I found that as long as – you're upfront with venues about that, work with them about that, try to be flexible and help them out with anything they need. If they say, Hey, do you want to shoot a quick video for our Facebook page or something to post up? I'd be like, Yeah, sure. Give me, you know, give me a couple hours. I'll get done whatever you want. Like try to work together to make something happen rather than work against each other is, is where I've kind of I remember back in the day there was street teams for bands. Yep. Like bands that you know were were kind of growing from mm-hmm. Uh, into a regional status or whatever, they'd have you know Uber fans that yep. lived in these different towns. That if the band or the singer was coming to town, that fan would go out and put up flyers and do. That. Does that still happen? It does. Where you have people where you're going to be in Old Wine. I don't know. I'm just yeah. picking a random sure. town. Yeah. You know who do you know in Old Wine? Well, maybe you know Debbie, and Debbie loves Jesse Allen. Mm-hmm. Is Debbie going to go out and do some legwork for you? That that still happens with a, with a lot of acts. I will say I haven't gotten to the street team point yet okay. at least i haven't worked on it i do have some fans out there that i've kind of noticed you know really interact with my stuff and i would consider them super fans and mm-hmm. that's obviously what you know we're looking for to start with as a super fans that are going to tell everybody about you and the street team method is also kind of shifted to social media twitter. too. Oh. twitter facebook <laughs> instagram snapchat like Quit blowing me up. I'm not playing big time show. I don't even have control of that. Yeah. Yeah. But like the super fan method has kind of shifted to that, to where people are sharing your music and sharing this and that and everything else. Uh, you know, also boots on the ground, kind of the, the old school method is still very, very important in my, in my eyes. And it does happen uh, with a lot of acts. So it's just a matter of getting that street team that's willing to go out and do it per se. Let's talk about recording. Um, okay. When it comes to recording, what what is the first song you ever recorded? First song I ever recorded. Now, I mean, yours like, or somebody else's? Professionally, the first or demo. thing that you ever did. Professionally or, or demo? Just the first. 
If you can remember, do you remember? I don't remember. The uh, first stuff that I ever really recorded just that I didn't release anyway was just demo stuff. Like I, I did demo stuff, just home studio, um, just trying to record stuff, get feedback. And then in the computer four track, like a computer, task cam? computer, okay. yeah, computer. Um, and you know, that was an experience that kind of taught myself so different things. Like I learned just about my songwriting and learned about, you know, my voice and learned a different, like hearing different melody runs and just getting, gathering different things from listening back to yourself being recorded. And then obviously my, my first professional recording experience was last summer. I went to Nashville or well, would have been October 2017, we started on the EP, finished it the beginning of 2018, released it in July. So that was my first experience professionally recording and releasing something. And uh, that was an experience. I mean, we did it in a small private studio in Nashville. Did you have an engineer and a producer and all Producer, that engineer, and one. Um, okay. So my guy, Joe Costa from Terabella, great band. Check them out. Give them a plug. Um, they live down there, live just outside of Nashville. And... They do all their records there. He does some for other other folks, and he's got this you know nice home studio. Basically, basically it's their house, about four different rooms that you use for tracking. And did it, you have yeah. to give up any control of your songs to him producing not, your songs? Not 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 like not like money wise control, but like your creative control of your songs, where he says no no no. Let's not do that. Let's do this. Not necessarily. Uh, the, the good thing about Joe and I is that we work together well. We kind of know each other well, and he's somebody that I met, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, to where it's more of a suggestion kind of process. It's like, hey, that sounded good. Why don't you try this, and then try it and be like, you know, do it, and we could both be like, oh, that sucked. All right, let's yeah. go back to the other way. We tried it. Yeah, we tried yeah. it. It sucked. Move on. And that's kind of how that process went. And actually, you know, I'm I'm really happy that you know, especially the first EP that we did, I did take some of his creative suggestions because. They ended up making the final cut of the record or some things we took out that didn't make the final cut that were, you know, creative suggestions like, yeah, this just doesn't really fit. And the more I sat about it and thought about it, I was like, yeah, I just, I don't hear that here, you know? So necessarily didn't give up creative control a lot. It was more just like this mutual, like we're working together to put the best product out there that we can. Is it easier to record by yourself at home or easier to record in studio with an engineer and a producer studio by yourself or, or in a studio in a studio okay. all day. I mean, recording at home, you kind of just have yourself to listen to in a studio, whether I'm working with Joe or I've done some stuff uh, with uh, my bass player here in Iowa. He's a recording engineer too. So we've done some releases that way um, just because time and whatnot didn't get me back down to Nashville. It's always nice to work with somebody else or multiple people because you get ideas for things that again, like, trying something different or whatnot and it's a little less hassle like basically i just gotta walk in and perform and do my thing can you take stuff that you've recorded um in demo form at home um and use that in nashville and, and without like re-recording it but like i've done this mm -hmm. guitar part this part's great let's just insert that into the mix sometimes but it's also i mean depending on the situation it's also kind of like well here's the part I want to use, but let's redo it through, you know, His this equipment. console, this equipment, okay. you know, and that's, it's, it's just kind of, it's one of those things. I haven't had that happen yet where I've run across that and said, yeah, I like this, you know, guitar part in a demo. I'd like to use it here. A lot of times when I do demos, I just do them basically to get like a roadmap laid out 
and end up changing stuff when I go into the studio anyway. Okay. That's just kind of how like I got got a few demos right now that I, and I I played one or two for you. And yeah. It's kind of like, all right, here's kind of what I've got roadmap wise. But we get into the studio and be like, oh, I want to tweak that just a little bit. Or it could be like, well, hey, I really like this part, but you know, I want a different tone or whatnot, so I'll just re-record the part. That's that's kind of how I how my mind works. It's not necessarily like a, oh, I absolutely love this. I nailed that. I need to use that. It's more like a, I'm always striving to be better. So I always and I'm a perfectionist so i always tell myself like okay i can make that better yet like let's let's do it and then that gets to a point as well where you kind of just have to say all right jesse you've you've made it as good as you can get it you're gonna sit here you're gonna sit here and mull over this for weeks like time to just move on like that's is that's what it's gonna be move on when you're you're buying studio time in nashville you're paying to be there is there any pressure that I don't have enough time to get this done with my budget? Not necessarily. And it depends on who you work with, too. I mean, some of the bigger studios, you're buying time, whereas necessarily with my situation, I bought time, but it's also not and like a project. A, yeah, it's okay. also more like more along the project line. So you're kind of just like, all right, we're in here. I have, you know, like for me, I'll go down there and have a week and basically do all of my parts, at least how we did the first one. Is I went down, did all my parts, and then what we didn't get done with the studio musicians in there. We had the roadmap out, laid out what we wanted and they came in, you know, the next week or what after and whatever and did their parts. And then, you know, I get sent some mixes and listen and say, Hey, can we, you got a different part. We can tweak this out or whatnot. So for me, it kind of made it to where I had to kind of work between here and there to get that first project done. But it, you know, just the way it, all planned out it panned out it it worked um but it's definitely it is different uh and there's not necessarily pressure it's just more like okay i don't want to tie up my producer for three months Uh doing this it's like hey we want to get in get this project done i know what i'm doing i'm focused on this let's get in and do it have you ever had any of your, your music on cassette tape to sell to people i have not cd CD, yes. You've had CD? Yes. Okay. CD and digital. Nothing on cassette. I've had some of my record? music on cassette tape. No record. Okay. No no vinyl yet. Okay. I've, I put some recordings on a cassette tape a long time ago, but not to sell. I was just, I was thinking, because you're, how old are you? You're 20, <laughs> 28. 28. My God. When I was first doing music, we would sell our cassette tapes at Cheapo Records <laughs> in Minneapolis. That yep. was the iTunes. Yep, that I was. Mean, it, make, if you had a cassette tape in Cheapo Records... You had made it, oh, and, by far. and now and now you got iTunes, yeah. and you're you're on there. You were yeah. what trending top something. It was or another when, when, the, when the when the EP came out. It was top twenty five on iTunes, uh, so that's that was really cool. And I mean, you know, being on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Google, YouTube, on the radio, on some stations, and everything else on jukeboxes. Like it still it amazes me. And I kind of just have to stop and smile every time I walk into, say, a, a bar or restaurant and go over to the jukebox and search Jesse Allen. And there you I, are. There I am. And it's just like. Have you ever bought your own song in a bar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Are, are people that you know there and they're like, did you seriously just buy your own music? Sometimes. But most <laughs> of the time I do. Most of the time I do it, especially if I'm in bars where I don't know anybody and I've never been there before. And I'll just go and pop it in. That way I can kind of like see if anybody's listening and paying attention and see if they start kind of bobbing their head. And that's happened before. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Like, 
Well, I found yeah. with the touch tunes, you get yep. an app. You can buy the There's credits on your phone. Yep. And it's I'm, I don't know what the radius is, if it's two miles or five miles. But mm-hmm. I know you can be downtown Mason City and pick up like seven or eight touch tunes locations. <laughs> you could literally just drive around North Iowa touch tuning your songs to different bars if exactly. you wanted to. Exactly. And just do a Jesse Allen takeover. Yeah. Some Saturday night. That'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Just blow 20 bucks on your own songs. Yeah, why not? <laughs> no, I, I, I've i thought about that, too. I mean, it's honestly, it could be, it could happen. You know, it's one of those things where whatever uh, whatever method you can get to market yourself and, and get out there and have people hear your stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing is you know, a lot of times people like, oh, I know he's out there, but they also, it's kind of passive. Like, they don't necessarily hear the product or they, you know, pay attention that's where it comes back to super fans trying to get those people to like encourage your buddies hey listen to this check it out listen to this check it out and from there you know it's it's really a grassroots thing but so that would fit right in just drive around some little Saturday night. marketing yeah a little gorilla marketing yeah jesse allen you got rick astley you got jesse allen you got rick astley that's your <laughs> night on the jukebox um a couple other questions real quick if sure. you got time yeah. um what instruments out of all the instruments in your band are you the best at which instrument are you the worst at so for me, uh, best would be guitar, obviously guitar vocals. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand. I used to play lead guitar for a band. So, I mean, I can literally, I could step up there and rip a solo if I need to, but typically I play rhythm guitar, acoustic, whatnot anymore and sing. Um, I would say I, I grew up playing drums. I started playing drums so I could still get behind the kit and play fairly well. Bass would probably be the third on the list. I mean, I can I can thumb my way through bass, but I'm not any bass player by any means. I don't have the the rhythm and the walks up and down the neck and everything. Uh, I've used a steel guitar player before. I cannot play steel guitar. So it looks fun. It looks fun, but it's very challenging. Ah. And keyboards and piano. Um, I don't have one of those in the band right now, but I'm I'm awful at that. So, I did have a fiddle player for oh, one cool. summer. And uh, he was uh, he was good. He was a little more classically trained, so we kind of had to loosen him up to playing country music. I could never play that. Uh, that's an instrument to me. That's just what about the crazy. banjo? Have you ever played the banjo? I have fooled around with a couple. I've never played one live. I've always considered that. And there's a way to cheat doing that too. Like you could buy a six string banjo and basically play it like a guitar. Because banjo is normally five. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've thought about buying a six string banjo just and having an electric one to where I could play it for some songs you know, live, like come up with a banjo part in a, in a new song and have it to play. Kind of like what Keith Urban does. You yeah. Know, he's done that stuff. Just never really gotten into it. I've never done more than just mess around with some of the music store. So if the stars line up and I win on a scratcher and stop at the pawn shop and they have a banjo, I'm buying it. Okay. hundred bucks. Sweet. Can I be in your band? You can if be I in learn? the band. If you learn, you could be in the band. <laughs> um, what's uh, what's happening in 2019 for Jesse Allen? What's the next big thing? Whether it's not this year mm-hmm. or next year, but what's what's happening this year? And what's the next big step you're trying to reach? So uh, we got some great festivals and fairs. I mean, Tree Town uh, here this Memorial Day weekend. We're kicking off the main stage first time, uh, first main stage slot at a major music festival. So that's pretty cool. And uh, past that, been writing for a new album been going through songs left and right so the goal is to have a new ep out uh later this year i should be heading back into the studio is kind of the plan where summer's creeping up it's gonna be busy i'm gonna be out every weekend so it's not really conducive to studio time so that's the next big thing is an ep 
got some other things uh gonna be shooting some video content um music video uh for a song coming out hopefully here uh in the next couple of months so doing some things like that and really just uh continuing to kind of grind away at everything and and get my name out there more and let people hear the music that's out there and the new music that's going to be coming out how do we find you how do we get a hold of you jacountry.com I made that pretty simple. You can find me there on on the web, jacountry.com. That links up to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, all that stuff. There's ways to contact us on there, everything. That's basically the one-stop shop. Tour dates listed up there, everything, jacountry.com. Should I still be yelling Freebird out at concerts, or is there a better song? <laughs> we still get a lot of Freebird comments, and we have done that before. Somebody's yelled Freebird and we have pulled it off on stage. I mean, I know it's played out, but it's fun. Yeah, it's still fun. It's you know? fun to just yell "Freebird" at a quiet moment. I, I can't really think of any other song that would fit that. Like "Freebird" is it, that's just the song that fits that deal. Well, it's two syllables. I mean, you could yell yeah. "Bohemian Rhapsody," but it, it's too many <laughs> yeah. syllables. People Instead, don't just know go, what you're free saying. "Freebird." Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what fits. You know, it's the best it is. <laughs> Jesse, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Jesse Allen joining us on the What Do You Do podcast.